Let's just pray. Father, speak to us, we pray. God, let us hear what it is that you have for each one of us. For me to bring, but for us to hear as well. Lord, we love you. You're a speaking God. You're alive in each one of us. Your Holy Spirit stirs us, encourages us, supports us, glorifies you. God, we love you. Amen. So as you're aware, we're on this new season, new series as entitled As For Me and My House. And before I start, as it were, I just wanted to recap from the things that uh, Joshua had mentioned and also Ruth last week. Just because I think it's important that we don't lose what others have brought by just going for the next thing and the next week. We have wonderful technology now that enables us to uh, go over things again, to recount them. And I think for us, just as, as natural uh, beings, we can listen to things once, and it's great, but then it disappears. That's just that's something of life, new things come in. But just to re, I just wanted to go back over some of the things. Um, what Joshua Luke Smith was talking about was rededicating ourselves to Jesus. Who do we truly want to be? For us to recommit ourselves to God and cultivate the ground that was our hearts. He talked about our lives of worship and what we would worship and the little things that come into our lives which we have as acceptable but really they're not, it's just that we include them in. They're not major things but they're just things which start to eat away. And he was himself being vulnerable and just challenging himself with that particularly with finding answers from the news or the flipping of the screen or whatever it was, as opposed to finding that in God. He just challenged us to fall more and more in love with Jesus. And the posture of worship being face down on the ground, just in total abandonment, just like we've sung this morning of surrendering everything to God that says, Lord, you can have it all. You can have everything that I am. I hold nothing back. But I just give it all to you. And then Ruth talked about being steadfast, not shaken, carrying a different spirit, being flexible, but also a strength to resist, to put ourselves into alignment with God. And one of the key things that I saw on the chat was repeated a number of times was regarding our own humility which would lead us to stability and remaining steadfast in God and so I'd encourage you over over the week revisit those revisit those things revisit the word once I recall that um, uh, quite a number of years ago I was responsible for recording um, the message on a Sunday um, it was when we had cassettes, which will show my age. But we, were, we had that, and I was there to do that. And somebody um, brought the word on Sunday, and I recorded it, except for the 
uh, battery wasn't in the microphone, which was not a good idea. Um, in those days, you it, just, it didn't record the sound apart from a very, very faint element. And um, my dad at the time suggested it would be good for me to write up the message as an encouragement not to make the same mistake again, which was fine. Um, it took a long time because it was so, so quiet. I say that not as a something that I had to do, but actually what I discovered is in doing that, I listened to the message over and over and over and over again because I had to keep rewinding, writing, rewinding, writing a bit more, rewinding and, and writing. But in doing that, just recounting the word that um, the, the chap had shared, is that more and more of it became alive to me. And you realized the depth of what he was saying. And I had been there on that particular evening, as I say, to record it, and, and it was good, and it just went out the window, as it, as it were. It was good for the time, but it went out the window. But actually, more and more of that, I took on board, having listened to it over and over again. Not just for not it being repetitive, but just a sense of God reveal more, God reveal more. Because that's what he does. His word is here in print. But as we know, as we read something of his word, it is creative and it's alive. And we could read the same thing year after year. But each time we read it, God reveals something more of who he is, something more of his spirit. And that's just something which I think is a, is a good thing for us to do. We have those resources. We have those facilities now just to be able to recount. What is it you're saying, God? I think if we look in this scripture, in uh, Joshua now, returning to that, this time for the Israelites, or the time that they were at in Joshua, was a pivotal moment. It was a pivotal point where somebody was actually dying. Joshua was dying, was recognizing that fact. But God had brought the people together, and Joshua had brought the people together to bring them to the place of saying, decide again. Make your confession again. It was a pivotal time that would have an impact on the rest of that generation. So they'd come to um, a an end of a phase of war. They'd gone into the land um, with uh, the two guys, Joshua and Caleb, being the only two left from the original tribe or tribes that had come to the promised land and stopped. As, as Rufus said, they had a different spirit and Joshua was coming to the end of his life and recognized that and challenged, put a new challenge before the people. It was time for them to have a reset and a time for them to have a change of mind. And I believe this is a time for us as a people, as God's people, it's a time for us to inquire of God for us and our household. It's for us to know who the Lord is and what he's saying to us. To be a living, de a living demonstration of what it is to know God and see him operating in our lives. You see, at the end of the uh, scripture, we've got it up, Joshua 24, 31, that should come up. This is what it says. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. And that was what the statement was of what had happened in Joshua. 
then if we carry on and read in Judges, verse, chapter 2 and verse 7, it says the same thing slightly differently. But it says, the people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. So at that point in, in uh, Joshua 24, they had come to this place in response to Joshua's challenge to say, yes, we will serve the Lord too. Our response to you, Joshua, saying this is what you will do in your house, they have responded as a people and said, this is what we will do in our house. And that's what they did. For those people who had been on this journey together, and at that time, the elders, the leaders, who had experienced God and who knew God. But the challenging thing I, I found when I read this is in Judges 2, 2 verse 10, which is only three verses later, it says, after that, sorry, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, so in other words, once that lot had passed away, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done. And that was a real challenge to me because I wondered, well, what's, what's happened in between? So we've had a generation who have responded to what God said, fulfilled what they had for their time, but then another generation who came along had no knowledge of God or what he had done. That was surprising as I chatted with um, uh, Josh on this, but just to know, in fact, that one of the cultures of the Israelites was to constantly tell stories. Not make them up, actually testify what God had done. But that was part of that culture. So there would be a remembrance of what God had done, of his faithfulness, of, of his provision. And I thought, well, something's gone awry here to have a generation that didn't know either God or what he had done. It was a challenge for me to remember, or for us as a people, to remember that our testimony is vital. Our testimony of what, God, what we've seen God do, our testimony of who he is to others, is vital to ensure that the future generation coming knows who he is and what he's done. The remembrance of their God from the past and the current reset their covenant for the future. And as I say, it was a challenge to me as to what's gone on in between. Did the people stop talking? Did the people stop listening? What was it that happened? I don't have the answer for that. It was just an observation that I saw that was a challenge to me to make sure that my life is representative and displays who God is to people, and tells of what he's like, what he's done in my life, so that those that I'm around don't forget. There's not a generation that comes that says, well, we didn't know who God was. We don't know what he did. Because we saw, if you carry on to read, you'll see the impact of what that is. The Israelites go away from God, do, I think what the, the word says, does what was right in their own eyes, and it was just a challenge to me, a sobering challenge. And at this time that we're in, the time that we're in of saying, wow, things are different. 
Right now, things still are different. But there, was an, there is an opportunity for us to reset, make sure that our confession at this time, during this time, is God, we want to know you. God, we want to tell and we will tell of what you've done in our lives. So that when we come out of this, things aren't the same. It doesn't just go back to a normal. That's been, that's been a word that's um, been, I think, um, been around in discussions um, with various people in, ver- in various churches that actually this is a time that we are challenged but actually when things are different as far as the social, if you like want to call it social gathering and distance, that we must be a people who have learned during this time, not a people who just go back to the way things were. It's all about our personal relationship and ownership. You see, the history of that people before Joshua and Caleb was a people who said, oh, you go and see God. You go and ask him what he wants to say to us. Come back and then tell us. There was a distance that they kept. There was no personal relationship. It was, we'll do our own thing. You go off and find out and come back and tell us. They were a people who were dependent upon their leaders rather than their own relationship. And what was interesting to me is that those people who knew about what God had done were the ones that became involved with the overcoming in the land. They were the ones that went in, the second generation that came out, who were of a spirit of Joshua and Caleb, overcome or overcame the giants in their land. But those same people who overcame it were the same people who later compromised. And what the challenge to me was is that actually it's important for me that whilst, and important for us, that as we experience God in our lives, daily lives, that remains fresh and it remains continuous. That the victories that we have, the experiences we have of God, the relationship that we have with him stays consistent day after day after day. And I think we've got a time, we have an opportunity right now to be feeding our own spirits, to be feeding our own understanding, to be feeding our own relationship and depth with God. That's there all the time. But right now it's recognizing where we are. As we are in a, if you like, contained environment, that doesn't restrict our relationship with God at all. And all I would encourage us to do and what God's been speaking to me about is, well, what are you doing in this time? Come on, son, let's have time together. Let's get to know one another more. Use this time wisely. You see, they began the compromising. That's what happened then in Judges. You'll you'll read it afterwards. The generation that came that didn't know God, just like what Josh had said, began compromising. Just little things here, little things there. But it resulted of them going away from God. And that's just what I feel right now. There's a pulling together of God saying, my people, hear me, come to me, understand who I am, spend time with me, because he loves us. And he only wants good things for us. 
See, the, the challenge that we have, I believe, is our daily walk, which is being reliant on his word. Our word to us. What is God saying to me? What is God saying to you? What has he said? How do I treat that word? See, I was challenged by this, as I think I probably mentioned about a year ago. There was a specific word um, brought to me um, from God through somebody about our business. And it was amazing. It was, for me, it was something that transformed that. But just as I was thinking about that, I was challenged that that's now an old story. It was great, and I remember it, and I will testify about it. But whilst wonderful that that is, it's no good for today. And I was challenged in, in what we're doing, just in the business world. Okay, God, what is your word for me today? What are the things that I not should be doing, because God doesn't demand things like that of us, but what are you saying, God, that caused my heart response to say, yeah, I'll do that. Yes, I'll do this. Where's my reliance on him in a business? See, at the time, I was faced with an impossible situation, or what I saw was impossible, a difficult situation. Now, as people have asked me how things are going at different times when they see people, I, I've actually described it right now. It's in a great honeymoon period in the sense that we have enough work, we're being blessed, we have enough guys to do the work, we, um, we're, if you like, have enough sales, we have income coming in, and it's all, that's all great, but my stirring right now is to say, that's, God, that's God's greatness, and it's his provision, and it's fulfillment of his word, but what is he saying to me now? Where is my heart now to say, actually, God, I need you as much now in my business as I did before? Is that just because all of these things are right, it just was a challenge to me. It says, God just saying to me, come and talk with me, son. Come and talk with me because we have greater things to do together. I think that's important for us, particularly as to how we treat the word. The word that comes to us, whether it be from one another, whether it be directly from the word, whether it be God just reveals something to us, is what are we going to do about it? And remembering what God says to us. I was um, watch, just, just watching this uh, thing on Netflix about the social... I think it's called Social Dilemma. It's talking about, anyway, it's talking about Facebook. One of the amazing things that came out uh, to me, or was rather stark, was the evidence that people's identity was determined by the number of likes. And don't get me wrong, whilst I'm not personally, for me, I'm not a big uh, Facebook user, I have nothing against that, and I think it's a great medium for connecting with people, encouraging people, sharing things, as long as that's what it's used for, it's fantastic. But when my identity, or if my identity becomes determined by what other people like, I'm heading for trouble. So I would encourage us right now to understand it's actually about what God likes, what God says about me, what God sees in me. That's what forms my identity. That he says, you're my son, you're my daughter, you're amazing. I love being with you. I love hanging out with you. Come and spend time with me. Come and sit with me. Let us talk. What is it? What are those things that are bothering you? Get to know me. 
And that's God's heart for us. Moving on from that, then my next area to look at is the question of how I rule my mind. I think certainly during this time, one of the biggest challenges we face for people or for us as general is what's the impact of this doing on our mental health? And it's fantastic that we've got something to say into that, something to speak into that, some people who have got expertise in that area. But that, that is not unique to this time. It's always been something that's been there is for us to control what's going on in our mind. In Romans 8, it says, the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And those people that are led by the Spirit know who God is. Their cry is, Abba, Father. Because having been led by the Spirit and dwelling in a place that says, my mind is filled with with what God says about me and what he is saying reaffirms my relationship to him. That actually, in a time where we might wonder what's happening, my heart's cry is, Abba, Father. You are my Father, and no matter what I face, you are my Father, you are my Lord. In Romans 12, it talks about us being transformed by the renewing of our minds. And in Colossians 3, for us to set our minds on things above. There is a wealth of times in the scripture that it refers to our minds and our well-being in that area. And I've just been, again, challenged for myself as to what I dwell on. What am I thinking about? I know Josh mentioned that, that when he was talking about his just... Flipking, oh, I want the latest news. What's happening? And I'm not against, don't hear me right, I am not against staying into news. It's good to be aware of what's going on. But if that ever replaces what God says, there's an adjustment that's needed. See, God's calling us, and what He's wanting from us, the longing of His heart, is that our attitude will be a people who, were in, who will in, inquire. It's an old English word, but inquire of him. What are you saying, God? And our inquiry of him, I believe, will lead to us having an encounter with him. An encounter that means more than just a thought, but it's more of a change of life. An encountering God will lead, I believe, to an exchange. You see, when we, I believe, when we come before God, when we encounter him, we can hand over those things that he wants. And the exchange is a strange one because it's pretty much bias in our favor. We hand over things that are issues. We hand over things that aren't right. We hand over things that God says, you don't really need those. And what he gives us back is his joy, his peace. The exchange we have is to take something from ourselves for something of him. And what he has and who he is is far better than anything that I have. He loves me, I understand that, and inside me dwells him and his character and his nature. But the exchange comes when I say, these things which are not of you, God, I hand over to you. Again, just as we've been in worship today, just being encouraged to surrender all. It says, God, you can have everything 
take everything. But don't just leave me. God doesn't just leave us having taken. He puts into us. He refreshes us. He gives us back. And then I believe from that and from that exchange comes the evidence of that exchange. Because it's fantastic being, having time with God. It's fantastic inquiring, encountering God, exchanging but what our world needs to see is a people who have had that encounter, who demonstrate that, so that there is an expression or there's evidence of that. You see, that's obvious in the, in the Word. It talks about, I believe it was the disciples, where they said we, they recognized they had been with Jesus. There's something about being in with them that means people can't help but recognize and say, what's going on with you? What's different about you? And it's not necessarily what is just done, but it's what we carry. Just an evidence, an expression of a life with him. I'd encourage us during this time to pursue one thing. To hear God for us, for ourselves, as individuals, as to what he is saying. You see, again, we can have message after message, and they're fantastic. The, what God reveals to us is amazing. But let us not to become a people that become just comfortable with another word, another word, another word. But we don't change. God is calling us as a time, as I've said, this is a time for us to take stock, a time for us to rededicate, a time for us to say, okay, God, I am going to readjust my focus. I'm going to reset where I am with you. But it's good for us to have one thing to pursue. I'm not saying don't go for more, but I'm just saying for myself, it was, God, what is it you're saying to me? But then to pursue that with all that's in us so that we can be a testimony of what God's done in our lives. See, what I believe that we are to be is a people who were different than when we were once. So we have lived in a way, and that's right, God comes along, he rescues us, he saves us, we're brought into his kingdom. Then we begin a process of change, a continual process of becoming more like him. But what's fantastic is that we see God's hand in our lives when you say, God, you've moved in this area, you've moved in this area, you've moved in this area. But let's, let's be a people who overcome those things that God's highlighted to us, that we're people who become transformed. It's not something where we're an up and a down, but it's actually we move from glory to glory, from victory to victory, from hearing what God said, putting it into practice, and then saying, God, what, what do you have for me now? It's fantastic that we have RTF and Sozo operating the gifts, and thank you, those guys that faithfully serve in that. That's there to help us. I believe it is, a it is and can be a vital tool for us. But you know, our, our part to play in that is to actually continue to seek God over it, is that there's a cutting off which happens for, and I, can't, I haven't got time to go into everything, see, see those guys about that. But what we need to see is that we have a part to play with that as well. It's our responsibility for those things that God highlights to us 
to move forward with them, to walk in them, to actually see it occur. Sometimes, as I've said, those things are helpful to cut off something of the past. But that releases us to walk into a responsibility to say, God, I'm free of that. I'm on this journey with you. There may be a resetting of time that's needed just in our worship as individuals with him. Areas of character that God's Holy Spirit will just highlight to us and say, son or daughter, I'd like to take that. I'd like to release you from that. Because it will only be for our good. It will only be for our benefit and those around us. It could be just a challenge to us as how do we spend our time? You see, we can pray a prayer as I have done. Lord, give me more time. I've not found that God has answered that directly, I have to say. What I have found is when I've given him more of my time and adjusted myself, it's released at the time. And I get it that there are all the time things competing for us. Whatever stage of life we're in, there is something which will demand our time, whether it be family, job, uh, career, and I'm not dissing any of that, and I understand the challenges we face, but I think God has called us very clearly to seek his kingdom first. Everything else follows from that. And so that may be just an adjustment. I mean, for me, I have to be honest, for me, it's the, it's the challenge I will have with, um, with the work that we do. I thoroughly enjoy what I do, and that's been a provision from God. But if I've got up in the morning, the challenge is to me that my first thought and my first action is to spend time with him rather than check my emails and phone and text. There is plenty of time for that. But actually, beginning the, God, beginning the day with God has a massive impact. It changes what happens throughout the day. It changes my perspective and my view of what, God, what have you got for me today? You see, I can live on, carry on living life, and that's fine. There are things that we have to do. But actually living it from a mindset that says, God, what do you want me to do today? What do you have? Being open to hear from him that says, okay, when you speak to this person, bring this to them. Or just how I'm living my life with interaction with people. Do I bring the heart of God? And having been with him in the morning, that just flows all the way through. Other people I accept might not do mornings, and I'm not saying that that's, that's just for me. God is committed to our growth, I believe. He is all about multiplication and expansion. His DNA is in us. The seed that he's placed in us, the life that he's placed in us, is for us to grow, to grow in him, that when we were transformed from where we were at, out of his kingdom, into his kingdom, immediately our destiny has changed. Immediately what's inside of us becomes alive. The spirit of God in, inside of us that says we're destined for growth, we're destined for change, we're destined to bring about God's kingdom in this earth. That's an awesome responsibility. But it's also fun. It's intended to be fun. God never intended us to have difficult times 
He brings a cross, and I'm aware that we have and we face challenges in this life, but God's plan is for us always to be overcomers, to be those who bring his heart, his rule, and to be carriers of his presence that says, these things are there, but they're momentary, and God has put inside of us, each one of us, his spirit that says, Lord, we cry to you. Lord, our focus is on you. And from that place, we see what we're to do in this world. We see situations that occur that may be difficult. I accept that. It's not all plain sailing. But a people of God face those situations with him. What happens is, is there's an overcoming. There's a demonstration of who he is. There's a testimony of this is who God is. You can know him for yourself. I believe there is a change of mindset for us during this time. And the, the good news is, and hear me right, this is not over yet. I'm aware of the fantastic developments that have been with vaccines and what have you. But I think right now, let's not miss the opportunity of where God's calling us to himself so that our focus doesn't shift from where it needs to be right now. And I'm looking for the time when we are freer and we can move about and, and these things will happen. But I don't want to live my life just hoping for that and ignoring and missing the moment for what God has for us. See, God's plan for us doesn't change. And what God knows is best for us means that if we don't hear it the first time, he'll tell us again. And he'll tell us again. And I believe our own response as a people is to say, Father, we want to be people who hear your word, hear what you're saying, and do something about it. Hear it and learn it from the first time so that we don't go around a mountain again and again, that we can just hear what God says and respond to it. So for that, what I wanted to just end with is just talk about our own attitudes about a Sunday, looking to a time when we will be back together as a congregation. Excuse me, I need a drink now. You see, I wonder whether our attitude has been that we come on a Sunday just to be fed. This is where the visual aids come in. This is a lemon drizzle cake. For those of you who move in dreams and interpretation, this has no meaning and no specific item. Please do not take anything from lemons or drizzle. It's got nothing to do with it. So this is a lemon drizzle cake. And please give me some grace, but assume that this represents what I receive on a Sunday. You see, I can come here on the basis that I just want to get some food for the week. That's what I come to church for, just to receive some food. And whilst I believe the great giftings that are in this house and where God has put us is that we do receive good food, it is of this size. And unless I was on an extreme diet, that's not going to last me for the rest of the week. It's good in itself, but it won't last me. 
And it's going to go off. A few days it becomes, I don't know what it'll become, but it'll probably turn green rather than yellow. And that may be our attitude that I come just to get fed. And I, don't get me wrong, I don't have an issue with that. I'm not saying that's wrong. But it should not be my prim- primary focus, and it's not what God intended. See, God's intention is that that's what we come with. That in coming together, we bring what's been going on during the week. It's interesting, isn't it, that the Israelites had their food every single day, but then on Sunday, they didn't actually go and collect it. They collected double on the Saturday. So on the Sunday, they were able to eat from what they'd already received. As as I'm not trying to draw anything specific from that, just thought it was interesting. But God's heart for us as a people is that we come together, we are already full, that we have good things that he's given us, good things that we've discovered for ourselves. Equally by that, I'm not saying, and hear me right, I'm not saying if that's not how you feel, you shouldn't come. Because God has put us in a family, and we may have faced challenges. We may have faced weeks where we are exhausted. We don't necessarily feel that we have something to bring. I understand that, and that's very real. But as a rule, that is our heart. That should be the kind of people that we are that we are fruitful, that we bring a feast on Sunday. See, it's clear in Corinthians it talks about each one having this, that, a word, a song. And we can excuse ourselves on the basis that, well, you guys bring the song. Somebody else will bring the word. But in fact, whilst I appreciate we might not have all the opportunity on a platform, we have the opportunity to minister to one another that we actually go before God for one another as a family. God, what, is it, what word of encouragement can I bring to somebody else? So that on a Sunday as we come together, can you imagine a people that are so full of encounter with God, so full of the fruit of what God is doing in their life, so full of his presence throughout the week? Sunday is a celebration together of who he is rather than a snack for me to last the rest of the week. So we end up with a worship team that are there as they have been before God, but there's no warm-up. Not that there always is, but there's no warm-up from us as a congregation. There is a first note played, and there is an eruption of praise that occurs in us as the people of God because they've just let something loose. And it's fantastic that they lead us into a presence. But for them, I know it will be fantastic with us as a people that say, go on, guys, keep going, keep going. And actually, they're there just to accompany what's already happened in us as a congregation during the week. That we arrive full, full of the goodness of God. And you know, connection with that is our tithe and offerings that we bring. You see, our tithe and offering is just a part of this. This is who we are that we bring, that we bring encouragement to others, 
word to others, a song, a scripture, whatever it is, but a part of that is our tithe and offering. But we need to remember that that's what it is. We don't give to an organization. Because if we do, I believe it moves from a gift, an act of worship, to a purchase, a duty, or an obligation. And that is not in God's heart at all. Is that it is just a gift as part of who we are to God. Say, God, use this. This is part of me, God. This is part of my time with you. Yes, I understand the maths of it, but we're not buying anything. We're not paying for something. What we do is give a gift, and bringing a gift, it means that I expect nothing in return. I don't demand something upon that. It's just out of an overflow and a freedom. And I believe God does bless us, although we might not um, if you like, bring our gift expecting. I believe there is an expectation. As Jonathan shared in Malachi 3, God says, I will, I will bless you. I will bring this, I will do that. But my, vote, my motivation is just to bring a gift to him. You see, that changes the nature of us together on a Sunday, of a people that have encountered God, a people that testifies to what he's done, a mature people coming together to honor the king. That's what life can be and should be like. But then there's also things of us during the week, our our daily encounters with just one another and people we come across. As Jonathan had mentioned, we do have life groups here. And a vital part of the life in this church is the life groups. And I would encourage everybody to be part of a life group. You see, life groups are there, yes, for us to be family as a smaller unit together. And so my attitude could be, well, I want to be a part of this because this is what I need, which I do, and it's healthy. But, you know, for those who haven't joined a life group, can I suggest to you that the life groups lack because you're not there? That we have life groups that are fantastic, they're enjoying life, but they could be even better if you were part of them, because God has put in each one of us something to carry. God has put in each one of us a gift. God has put in each one of us something of our character, something of our nature that we need together. So as people of God in this place, I would say we need you. Your brothers and sisters, our brothers and sisters, need you and they're there for us as well it's a two-way relationship you see one of the things during this whole lockdown that I think has come out is that people need connection God never intended us for it to be intended for us to be isolated he did intend for us to have a relationship one-to-one with him but what he, his overflowing nature is, be part of my family, be part of my kingdom together. 
that says, you walk with me, you testify who I am, you know me in your own life, but I've joined you with a family, I've joined you with other people. So that what we do together is we build family ships, that is family relationships, rather than function ships where it's just what we do. Because us as a family, it's based upon who we are rather than what we do. Whilst we do what we do comes out of that, our own walk, our own daily walks are just being part of the family together. And so we have this time right now, today and during this period, to be before God to say, God, what is it? What is it that I can give to you? What is it that you want me to surrender? What is it that I need to change? What is your word to me that I've let go? What is your word to me that I need to pick up again, respond to? Because our God is a speaking God. And if you haven't heard him, ask again. Ask again that you can hear what is it? What is it for me? What is it for you? There may be things specifically to do, things to adjust. But the greatest thing is to know him more. The greatest thing is to respond to him and say, God, I want more of you. We want more of you. Lord, we want to be those that know you and testify of what you do in our life. That's what God has for us. So just as I close, I just want to pray. I want to pray that, Lord, that those words that have been over people's lives, that have fallen down, will come alive again. Father, I pray that for those people, those of us where we have wandered away or put you in a defined area and time, God, that you come back center stage. Lord, for those things where we've replaced you with natural things, God, we surrender to you. Father, we are your people. We declare this day we will serve you. We declare as a people, as a congregation in here, Lord, whatever's out there, we still declare we will serve the Lord. We will give ourselves and who we are and everything about us over to you. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much. Amen.